The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. G'day, g'day guys. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and I want to give a quick shout out to Scott Haskin for that beautiful, beautiful music. We have a whole lot going on in politics, a whole lot going on in Hollywood, so I figure I'm going to get rolling. Uh, Avengers Infinity War has wrapped filming. One war finishes, but the fight's still on. The, the weird thing, though, about Infinity War is... <clears throat> What's a nice way of saying this? Everyone I know that has worked on it said it was a flaming freaking disaster and it was a cookie movie. It was a movie that was made because it was supposed to be made. That was just an absolute waste of time. Oh, you'll have to excuse me. (sighs) I'm exhausted. We ended up giving blood today uh, over at the live stream, Give Hope, Give Life, Give Blood Bank. (laughs) And it's made me more tired than I thought I would be. We've got Hollywood losing its mind. We've got Game of Thrones coming on. Game of Thrones has turned into the most popular show on television, Banan, which is great. But everybody is hoping that Daenerys ends up with Jon Snow. So, of course, you know the writer's going to have to kill one of them because that's never going to happen. But if you check it out, there are a lot of memes and a lot of drama online for a homemade um, a Game of Thrones. <sighs> Excuse me. Never give blood before a radio show. Uh, I lost my train of thought, so I'm moving on. Giovanni Versace was killed 20 years ago. And we've had a big old resurgence of his styles in Hollywood. Donatella Versace, of course, his sister, took over his empire. And it's kind of caused a whole bit of a clusterfuck. Because you have this woman that's used the name to create these products, but didn't have the same style as her brother. So the biggest resurgence financially for Versace has been the most recent. Because let's face it, we've gone back to his designs. We, of course, have the Trump incident. And I don't mean daddy, I mean Donnie. I mean Junior. That has been a disaster of epic proportions in Hollywood. And to talk about that, I'd like to invite to the show my co-host, your friend and mine, Paul Michael Boland. G'day, Paul. Sorry, kids. I'm here. Oh, they had to listen to me talk by myself for a while. I felt sorry for them. So we've had little Donnie trying to screw over Daddy is where <laughs> is where this has kind of gone. Is he really? I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, the meeting with the Russians and the this and the that. And as of right now, they just announced apparently there were eight people in the room. So it went from I just met with this one guy to there were eight people in the room. It was a full meeting. All of his kids were there. I don't usually stick up for Trump. But uh-huh. i got to say, Trump needs to get his kids out of the White House, whether they're in oh, an official capacity or anyway. If he gets them out, he has a chance at salvaging his administration. 
Well, Donald Jr. isn't a member of the White House. No, but he's still an advisor. I don't think he can be. He's one of the guys running the business. Uh, yes, but he's still an advisor, meaning he still advises his father. It doesn't matter if it's official or unofficial. He mm-hmm. meets with people on behalf of Donald Trump. Um, Jared Kushner was in the meeting with Johnny, Donnie Jr. Right. So he was in this Russian meeting too. If Donald wants to save his ass, he needs to get all the kids out of the White House. Get rid of Ivanka, get rid of Kushner, get rid of the sons. Just get everyone out and you run your own damn administration. That, that's, yeah. all can, that's all he Ivanka's, has left. Ivanka's like a lifelong Democrat. Actually, yeah, this whole it thing with the... It doesn't matter. If he wants to save his administration, her husband colluded with the Russians. Apparently, she was involved. That came out today. The whole thing, he just needs to get his kids out, and he'll have a real chance of doing something. I assume he's doing something right now. It's not nothing that most of us really actually like, but, you know, that's just how it goes. I know. Yeah. I just, I'd like to... I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm giving advice. Like, I feel sorry for Donald Trump now. This is where I am. Like, I feel sorry for him. If my kid committed treason or, like, colluded with... I'd kill my kid. And then my kid turns around and goes, but I did it for mama. Like, I'm killing my kid. Yeah, I mean, now, technically, if we're still talking about the, uh, uh, the uh, meeting with the Russian lawyer to find dirt on Hillary Clinton... There really doesn't seem to be anything illegal about that. There is. Everything that so I've read. Here's, oh, so here's the thing. When you go back into the old arguments, everyone's like, well, it may be bad, but it's not illegal. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's actually a form of treason. And I only know this because a lawyer friend of mine went, holy shit, he committed treason. I said, you're kidding. I just watched a thing on the news where they said, well, yeah, it's a dick move, but it's not illegal. No, apparently it's actually high treason. I'm like, do we even have high treason in America? I know in my country we do, but we have a queen. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you guys do too. It's actually a form of treason because he got involved with a country that we are not allied with to change the outcome of an election within his own country. So that would be equivalent to George Washington goes into office, right? Uh But he goes in working for a different group. By Donald Trump Jr. agreeing, and this is what's come out within the last day now, saying that, well, we were talking, I wanted to talk about Hillary Clinton, but they wanted to talk about sanctions. He thinks he's being open, but what he's openly saying is we discussed removing sanctions, so when you do that, uh, just, just the one, and he did he did end the meeting uh, apparently that's, in the yeah, right that's way. That's like saying I only shot someone a little bit. It doesn't matter if you ended the meeting quickly. He went in trying to commit treason, <laughs> meaning he no, went no, he, in to obtain information from right. a source that he wasn't allowed to access. That he was told came from the Kremlin, because he's admitted all of that if you guys watch his interview. So his argument was it was only a 20-minute meeting. So he tried to commit treason on the one hand and accidentally committed treason on the other. And it really comes down to 
the the um, New York the the Washington Post is very Republican. The Washington Times is very Democrat. The Washington Post's defense was he's an idiot, and I think it's the best defense anyone can make. He has no idea what he's doing. He didn't go in to commit treason. Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree to that. Like he did not go yeah. in saying I'm going to commit treason. He went in like I would for a film deal. If I think I can beat your film, you bet your ass I'm taking that meeting. I'm leaking all your shit online and my film's going to do better than yours. By the way, I hope everyone went and saw uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Great film. Really excited about uh, the new Avengers. You should all go see that too. <clears throat> but but don't bother seeing anything by DC because they fucking suck. Um, the point is... Except for Wonder, that, Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, except for Wonder Woman. But that's my yeah. job. My job is to tell you, don't watch DC, come to Marvel, right? Great. That's because it's a Paramount <laughs> company. Cool. So he's practicing business. The thing is, there are laws against that. And there are actual laws against that. And his issue isn't that he committed treason. It's that his defense for committing treason was he was trying to commit treason. So it's really confusing, but it comes down to this. I don't think he should be prosecuted because I think he's stupid. If you put me in the White House, give me 45 minutes, I'm committing treason. Not in a bad way, just in a I only know how to operate in Hollywood sort of way. Yeah, it seems to be like a little bit of a. Uh, I, I don't, you know, the, some of the some of the people that I've listened to are basically saying that, yeah, you know, it, this this doesn't look good, but there's nothing there. So that is One. what you call the um, partisan defense. So I'm going to yeah. give a quick oh, listen. Both directions to- it gave you a notice. Another argument can be made is, okay, so he was trying to get the emails that Hillary said that she didn't have and destroyed. And that's cool, but that's still treason because he colluded with a foreign power. It's not about what he was trying to do. He went in to commit treason and accidentally committed treason. So the way it works, and I'm going to give a quick breakdown for everyone. For anyone that understands or knows advertising, this is how it works. Your Facebook is free, your internet is free, and it's all free because we take all of your data. We see what you post, we see what you like, we see what your pages are, and then we do the same in your Google. Once we have all of this information, we target everything back to you. So if you are a Republican, you are only going to see Republican-based information. If you're a Democrat, you're only going to see Democrat-based information. Everything is going to gear towards you to reinforce your current belief. That is what you call Facebook feedback. That is the Google feedback. That is the feedback of the Internet. Well, what that's caused here is on one side, a really strong defense for him is his stupid. And then, of course, the Democrats are saying, well, impeach Trump. You can't impeach Trump for what his kids did. So... The, the reality of this is people need to get out and get out of their feedback loop. And what that means is go to PolitiFact, go to the definition of treason and collusion, like just go to an Oxford dictionary and check this stuff out and forget what you feel about it because I'm sticking up for him and I don't like him. I think he's an asshole. <laughs> but I don't think I think people are running in two different directions here and it makes great melodrama this is the world's biggest reality show right now 
Well, yeah, but I mean, we've been talking about this uh, Russian-Trump collusion for how many months now, and this is literally the best they can come up with. But it's not a matter of the best they can come up with. It's that we've been talking about it for so many months because it's been hidden. And it's not a matter of the best you can come up with. Donnie Jr. released the fact that he did this and released emails, not all of them, but some of them. And then he went under suspicion and a bunch more of his emails were found. And then the Russian diplomat and the Russian um, lobbyist that contacted him gave all of the emails to the American government because the lobbyist doesn't want to get kicked out of America. So gave over all the emails. So what's happened here is Donald Trump Jr. is stupid. That's it. What he did was illegal because it was stupid, but it was stupid. And I think prosecuting him, if that's what people really want to do, yes, technically he broke the law. Yes, there may have been some harm that came of it. I don't know. None of us know that because we don't know how far this goes. But you still can't hold it against Trump. And I think that's the line that people have to draw. Yeah, this wasn't so. done by Donald Trump. This was done by Donald Trump Jr. Mm-hmm. So you want to go light, you know, if you want to go light your torch, it's cool. But you got to go after little Donnie. Yeah, one of the reasons mm-hmm. Manafort got 86 is because it turned out that he had some nefarious connections with people over there. He did, and so did Donnie Jr., and apparently so does Kushner and Ivanka and about eight other people. They've now said, as of a few minutes ago... There were at least eight people in the room and more currently being named. That's more than I just met with a guy and a 20-minute meeting. So you can see where he's trying to, to pull back on this, but I think where people are caught is... What's a polite way of saying this? I don't know. I just wish more they, people they were wanna go after, They, they want to go after Donald Trump, but the reality is he's done nothing here. If they want to, if they want to try Junior for high treason, I'm all for it. But he's the one you have to go after, and I think people need to chill the hell out. And remember, the Trumps White House edition is the greatest reality show America has had to date. I mean, I could not write this stuff. Well, I mm-hmm. mean, the person that wrote Veep basically wrote this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But I couldn't write this stuff. When we come back, we're going to have the amazing Dr. Russ on the show. We are going to have a friend of Paul's, a Ooh. filmmaker called Mark Piero. Piero. Piero, Mark Piero, who has done some pretty incredible stuff, which was a Polish vampire in Brooklyn, I think. No, a Polish Burbank. vampire in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to tell you guys this. This was the top grossing film of all time. No shit. It beat the Blair Witch Project. Because it made past a million dollars and it was made for less than 2500 That actually makes it the top grossing film of all time. I did a lot of research about this because I didn't believe it. We'll be I talking thought, about that when we come back. I thought Deep Throat did better. No, it didn't. I'm Summer Lane with Paul Michael Bolin. This is Behind the Scenes. We'll be right yeah. back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
What is your purpose? In the journey that we call life, our values are pre-programmed into us before we're born. During our lives, we pick up life's lessons and soul connections along the way. We explore this path on Soul Sessions with Solstice, featuring hosts Delana Davis and Rita McRae. Our program is designed to help you more confidently live from your heart and not just your head. Tune in live for Soul Sessions with Solstice every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com's social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepreneurment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric E.Z. Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you're seeking more confidence, it is time to feel good naked. Each week, host La Redmond and her guest experts are here to help you be you. In order to truly be successful and happy, you need self-confidence, self-love, and self-respect. Feel Good Naked Radio will teach you how to embrace these qualities and make your life more fulfilling and meaningful. Listen live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be proud of who you really are from the inside out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We are on with Paul Michael Bolin, who you all like better than you like me, and your favorite doctor and mine, Dr. Ross, talking about all things skinny. G'day, Dr. Ross. Welcome to the show. How are you? Um, I'm really sleepy. I gave blood, Hi, so I'm really I'm tired. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I gave blood, so I'm really, really tired. But other That's than that... One, two, three, right? Uh, yeah. But we're here. We're here. We're How are you doing, Dr. Ross? <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear us? Yes. Perfect. Yes. Uh, so uh, let's see now. Uh, we're in the in the dead of summer here, and I think uh, people are uh, not getting around uh, too quickly, and there are a couple... Uh, Questions regarding exercise today. I, I, uh, I was told that by a little bird. So uh, there, there are some questions about exercise. I don't think anyone wants to go out in the heat right now. Right. No, not me. Uh uh-uh. uh. Maybe and in it's the getting, pool at midnight. Pool at midnight's good, but the heat out here is getting dangerous. There are people yeah, passing it's out. Too hot, too hot to smoke. It's too hot to smoke. Yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So. The first question he will kill you. Yeah. The first week question we have is from Jesse in Burbank, California. Hmm. How fast can I see results when I start to lose weight? Uh, when I start a weight loss and exercise plan? 
Well, you may see results almost immediately. Uh, for people uh, within my medical practice, my bariatrics or weight loss practice, uh, I see the most Im- uh, impressive results within the first month. Uh, the awesome. weight loss, uh, it starts to slow down uh, to a steady decline, uh, and then it eventually uh, plateaus. Uh, at your natural weight, but uh, uh, that's what—that's the uh, usual pattern—is uh, you start taking it off right away. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Next question is from uh, Masha. I say, hmm? uh, one one last thing on that question, Summer, is that it's cons- a safe weight loss rate is five pounds a month. Uh, you may lose more than that the first month, but it, five pounds a month is considered a safe rate where you don't develop gallbladder problems or hardening of the arteries. So uh, if people are looking for a, a yardstick, uh, it's about five pounds a month. Okay. And keep in mind, everything's relative. When I was over 400 pounds, I could lose 40 pounds over a weekend. And you'd be back yeah. by well, Wednesday. True. Maybe back by Wednesday, Wednesday. but I could do that. So, well, that's that's not a pattern that yo-yo dieting because uh, it can have an impact on adverse impact on your health. So, right, much like being four hundred fifty pounds. That can definitely have an adverse reaction. So, can I drink alcohol when trying to lose weight from Marsha in Salt Lake City, Utah? I think we got the one non-Mormon from Salt Lake City, Utah asking about alcohol. I'm sorry. I had to make that joke. She she got me online and that was that, that's one of my questions. I was like, really? Salt Lake City and alcohol? Can Fair enough. Die? It happens. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's dry or not. I'll have Alexis look it up. Can we buy? Can you buy alcohol in Utah, like in Salt Lake yeah. City? Oh, yeah. No, um, no. Yes, you can. Okay. Well, it's much more controlled than, say, uh, uh, California um, or where else was I where they were really made a big deal about it? Even Washington State, you have to. Uh, Washington State, yeah. Go to liquor. They don't have like package stores, right? And things like that. Yeah. Where you go well, buy booze one spot. They still won't sell it to you on Sundays in Mississippi, so it's it's interesting. Every place is different. Mm-hmm. So, will drinking alcohol wreck your weight loss? Uh, you shouldn't be drinking when you're trying to lose weight. Uh, uh, alcohol is absolutely the wrong thing to ingest. Uh, uh, it's a grain-based uh, substance. Uh, you're only getting empty calories. There's no nutri- nutritive value in alcohol. So the answer is uh, flat out no. Sorry, Marsha. That's the end of the tequila, honey. No no more liquor. No more shots. No. You're just going to have to eat healthy and exercise and you'll feel best. And our third question <laughs> or is it, from... How should I say this? Dr. Ross, is there a preferred alcohol? Oh, that's a good loss? idea. Yeah. Is there an alcohol that's not as bad? Well, alcohol, uh, in terms of biochemistry, which is a good way to look at it sometimes, is a uh, sugar. And uh, uh, 
therefore, even if it's wine or beer or, or spirits, it's all uh, ethyl sugar. alcohol, which, which is a sugar, and uh, causes uh, weight gain. So, Gotcha. It's just Damn, uh, not the not the answer I was looking for. Okay, <laughs> Paul was hoping. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Hey. So uh, this is from Bleak, which I I hope is a nickname. Bleak in Austin, Texas. Once what? I hit my Bleak, B L E A K, not Blake, Bleak. Um, once I hit my ideal weight, can I stop exercising? <laughs> well. I'd like to know how much exercise uh, Bleak is doing because uh, uh, any anything can be overdone. Um, but I would I would say that it's hard to lose weight through exercise. Uh, you have to walk thirty miles, thirty five miles to lose only one pound, which is the weight you gain by eating only one Big Mac. So. Uh, if uh, you're eating properly, uh, you don't really need to exercise as far as maintaining your weight. However, the American Heart Association recommends exercise on most days of the week. That's how they put it. Uh, in other words, to maintain your health and your heart, you should uh, be exercising four times a week. And... Uh, so I think that's a, a wise uh, recommendation. I like that. Which was your favorite question this week, Dr. Russ? Oh, well, they were all good. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I, I like the uh, uh, Bleak's question because uh, uh, people think that... Uh, Oh, I just got to exercise more and I'll lose weight. And, then, and that's a, a big mis, uh, misunderstanding, misconception that people have. So I'd say the third one. And, oh, I like uh, that. So, Bleak, we are going to be sending you a copy of the Palm Springs Diet, courtesy of Dr. Ross. And if you guys yeah, want to... You know, there uh, is a, uh, an exercise program in the book. I know we're going to be sending him a book. It's uh, mm-hmm. an easy-to-follow uh not a lot of equipment necessary sort of paleo program that was devised. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, Nick Jamison Summer, but he's uh, he runs a, 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 a gym by Jensen's. It's called uh, Something Personal. And he, mm-hmm. he devised this exercise program to go along with the uh, Palm Springs diet, and people can read about it. Bleak can read about it in, um, in the book. That's fantastic. And if you guys want to read about it too, get your copy of the Palm Springs Diet. You can get it at authorhouse.com. You can get it at amazon.com or you can get it at uh, kennethrussmd.com. Get your copy of the Palm Springs Diet and talk about getting healthy, fit, and fabulous. Dr. Mm -hmm. Russ, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you, Summer. Thank you, Paul. And uh, have a great weekend. You too. We'll see you next week. Guys, when we come back, we're going to be on with Mark. Is it Piro? Yep. Do I have this right, Paul? Mark Piro talking about what I'm seriously seeing is the highest grossing film of all time, and I may want to kill myself. 
I'm Summer Helene. We're on with Paul Michael Boland. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in every week for Sex Out Loud. Host Tristan Termino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics. Get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry, the LGBT community, and the sex-positive world. From kink to non-monogamy, nothing is off limits. Plus, you can call in to join the conversation. Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we are talking about all kinds of things today. But one of the most interesting things is... Mark Pirro, who I'd like to welcome to the show. I know he's a friend of Paul's, and I'm looking forward to meeting him. G'day, Mark. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, Summer. Good to talk to you. Hey, Mark. It's great. You're there, too, eh? Mm Mm-hmm. Hello. It's great having you on the show. Um, So I'm I'm obsessed with this because I'm trying to outdo the numbers here in any way humanly possible. You made a Polish vampire in Burbank for $2,500. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> but that was 35 years um, ago. It's you made know, so that for a million dollars. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it'd be a different price today, probably. It probably cost me about $1,000 to do today. Yeah, price of film back then, you know. Yeah, it was film stock processing. Now, you know, now we can make a movie uh, for $5, you know, on a digital camera. I mean, things have changed. So if if this film put in today's money, which is what I did and what I do, this makes this one of the highest grossing films of all time. 
Well, yeah, I guess if you want to uh, grade it on a curve, I suppose you could say. But, um, you know, when we did the film back in 1983, we shot it. uh, We didn't expect it to sell or anything. It was made as a showcase. And uh, once we finished it, we found a distributor that said, you know what, don't tell anybody how much you made this for. And don't tell anybody the format. We shot it on Super 8 film. They just said, let's try and sell it like a regular movie. And nobody was more surprised than I was when he finally did. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Oh. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking up these numbers, and I know you're saying rated on a curve, but the, 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 the film that we all hold up is The Blair Witch Project, because that was made mm-hmm. for next to nothing and made a ton of money. But you've actually outclassed The Blair, the Blair Witch Project. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Blair Witch Project made something like, what, uh, $150 million in the theaters? Uh, it made uh, 100 It did, it did. Yeah, but what, yeah, the marketing so, uh, campaign... The marketing campaign that most people don't know this cl- cost close by the end to fifty million. The better it did, the more marketing they did. So a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar film got the marketing budget of a fifty million dollar film. So yeah, that well, actually destroyed that curve. What was your P and A budget on Polish Vampire and Burbank? Uh, nothing. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I, I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go eat a gun right now. <laughs> like, I'm really, I've well, never had anything like too, this. <laughs> you got to understand, too, that uh, the timing was pretty good because uh, when we finished the movie, home video was pretty much brand new. You know, there were no made-for-video movies. You know, everything was, they were trying to pick up things from theater, I mean, from theatrical releases, and, and the studios weren't really very generous with their movies. So here we have this movie, first run, never before seen, available for the home video market. So I think a lot of it had to do with just the fact that it came out when it did. But some of your films have some oddball cult followings anyway. I mean, you make some pretty interesting films. Yeah, I mean, some pretty dumb ones too. But yeah, we've, we've we've run the spectrum pretty much. Well, you have everything from uh, Buford's Beach Bunnies to Death Row Game Shows to Celluloid Soul, Rage of Innocence, and Rectima. What was your favorite film? Oh, gosh. You know, this question comes up a lot, and, and the uh, stock reply is like asking a parent, who's your favorite kid? I love you all know, my every, kids, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, every one of them has a certain charm. Like Polish Vampire was my firstborn, so that has a, a tender place in my heart. Um, Rectuma was the funniest, I think, of any film that I ever made or ever will make. So that's, uh, I, I kind of like that one just as the, as the Joker film. And then there's the Cerebral film, which was probably the God Complex, where we take the Bible and all the mythology in the Bible and kind of, you know, screw around with it. And uh, then there was the, the little retarded film, which was Buford's Beach Bunny. That's the, that's the little retarded kid that we put at the special table, because I'm not really all that proud of that film but um and then the I, new I one which your, we, oh, i'm sorry. sorry go ahead i said i loved your submissive jesus bit that was great ah yes the submissive jesus that's right we actually created a toy and i actually spent more on, the, on making the toy than all my movies combined but um we thought for that film we would try to merchandise uh submissive jesus head which is, if you're familiar with it it's this 
talking head that when you twist the crown of thorns, he screams in pain, and then he answers your prayer with like a hundred random phrases. But uh, that, that toy is featured in the movie The God Complex, and we made uh, about 2,500 of them, and we probably sold about a third. So I still have a garage full of them. <laughs> I, I, re- I really want one, so we'll discuss me buying one after the. I really Please. liked that. Um, well, the well, show, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out where people can find those. Yeah, we'll definitely the figure out where people Jesus. can buy them. Yeah, the submissivejesus.com. Get yours today. Fair enough. Perfect. Now, <laughs> I, I know the stock answer is I love everything the same. But then mm-hmm. there's always a film that moves you to the next level or makes you realize you love film or hate film or changes your perspective. Which film mm. was it and why? Well, you know, the last two films that I made are probably the most mainstream. They're not about giant asses that terrorize Los Angeles. They're not about, you know, uh, gay queer wolves. I mean, the, the, the movie I did prior to the one I'm just releasing now was called Rage of Innocence, which was my first thriller. Actually, it's not a comedy. Um, it's about a 15-year-old sociopath that doesn't want anybody dating her single mom. And it's a very, you know, it, it hits on a very serious subject about how uh, you're at the mercy of whatever a child says. If a child says you molested her, whether you did or not, you still had better get a lawyer, right? So this movie kind of goes into that dark area, and um, I've never really dealt with a serious subject before. So that was kind of a growth process for me. I still prefer doing comedies, but that was a completely turnaround for me, and it made me say, wow, so this is how acting has to be. You know, we, we couldn't skate by with just people telling jokes or making faces. We needed real serious performers and we got lucky with one. There's a girl in the film named Steph Dawson who ended up getting into the Hunger Games while we were making the movie. So that sort of uh, elevated everybody up a notch, and um, and she certainly deserved it because she was probably one of the most professional actresses I've worked with. But um, then the the movie I'm doing right now that we wrapped is called Celluloid Soul, and that's about a guy who falls in love with an actress from the 1930s, sees her in an old movie, and then uh, finds out that she's still alive today and meets her and, and sort of uh, gets pretty surprised when he sees that she looks exactly like she did in the film, uh, black and white and everything. So right, go, go a little further into that, because that's, that's a beautiful effect that you have in that trailer, you know, because she still appears, oh, yeah, everything else is in color, she appears in black and white. Right, yeah, so there was a lot of visual effect work done on that one, and uh, but it also, it, it has a story, I mean, it has a heart, you know, that's something that's severely lacking from a lot of my films. There's, uh, there's a certain level of poignancy, and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we had a test screening about two months ago, and there were three people that were, they were in tears by the end of the film, and I'm not talking about the actors who didn't get paid, but yeah. he actually... Uh, yeah, we uh, yeah. So those two films are probably on a different level than all the other films I've done, and those are probably the two where I really had to think more about character development and things. The other earlier films, they were more like cartoons, and I I certainly love doing those kind of films. But as you get older, you tend to become less funny. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You know, everybody that that made funny films or wrote comedy or whatever, they tend to lose it as they get older. So. You can keep trying and failing, like, say, uh, Blake Edwards, or you can kind of switch, you know, go into another direction, 
like, um, uh, who would, would that be? Robin Williams, I guess, before he decided he had enough. Yeah. But uh, Steve Martin, you know, you tend to realize, okay, you know, you're not as, as wacky as you used to be when you were in your 20s and 30s. So it's like a prize fighter. You know, you, you get to a point where it's like, uh, I don't think I'm really a, a fighter anymore. I'll start uh, selling barbecue grills or something. But um, as I did my last two films, I like I said, the, the comedy level on, well, the Rage of Innocence is not there at all. On this one, it's still kind of a comedy, but it's not, you know, it's not an outlandish kind of a Seth MacFarlane kind of comedy. You know what I mean? It's more of a, yeah. more of a later Woody Allen kind of comedy. I find that interesting. What advice would you give to anyone that wants to get into the film industry? Uh, don't. <laughs> no, okay, no. that's my advice. That's my line. It's a relatively no. common, <laughs> oh, okay. common no, bit of my, advice you get here on this one. So. Yeah, if I, any advice would be basically, look, you know, don't expect to get rich off of this. I mean, if you can sell your film and you can you know, manage to get some heat on it, get some awards, whatever, uh, that's great. But, you know, you know, don't give up your day job. Don't uh, put all the money that you have. Don't put, in fact, try not to put any money into it if you can. I mean, really, because odds of you getting it back are, are pretty slim. So you have probably less than a 3% chance of having a successful independent film out there. So uh, I would just say, you know, do it for the love of it. Get get a bunch of your friends to help you out. Get people, you know, insulate your yourself with people that you love and love you and and uh, that aren't going to flake on you because uh, there will always be at least one or two flakes in your ensemble. That's just the way it works. Um, but if you if you do it because you have a passion for it and not just because you think it's going to give you uh, you know a condo in Beverly Hills, well, then go for money. it. You know. Yeah. Hmm? The deception. I mean, are you a filmmaker? Are you a filmmaker too? Somewhere. Uh, actually, I'm the former executive VP from over Paramount. I worked with um, California Pictures, and I'm in the process of switching into. I'm going to be the youngest studio head ever in Hollywood history. As Look of at you right now, yeah. Wow, nice. So, but I started. I actually started when I was like 17 doing this. I was an underwear model. I met Paul on a really bad trauma film. So. Uh, okay. <laughs> You'll be surprised with bad trauma film. You'll be surprised Uh, where things take you. And so, filmmaker, um, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm really good film investment, but I never, Uh like you said, I never invest my own money. I'm very good at film distribution, but again, I'm not spending my money. Um, But I have to agree with you. I think that if somebody wants to make an independent film, if that's something that they want to do, they should, mm-hmm. because this climate oh, yeah. is the wild, wild west. It's so different from any other period. Mm-hmm. Anyone can make a film now, and it just wasn't that way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I, I used to talk, I mean, I, occasionally I'll talk at colleges, film schools, things like that. And, you know, usually I start off my little uh, seminar speech, whatever, by saying, uh, okay, forget everything you've learned to this point, because we're going to approach it from a different angle right now you know and as far as going out there doing it bringing people together uh no but or not having a budget is no longer an excuse i mean that was always people's excuse for the longest time yep. but now it isn't you can you can literally go from writing the script right down to printing your dvds in your house you know you've got it all in your computer and it's uh, it, it it astounds me. I mean, God, if I look back thirty years, I would never believe that you know the same machine 
that you could write your script on, you could uh, edit your movie on, and uh, you can also masturbate with. So, I mean, there's so many yeah, things that you that's. Hmm? I, Sorry, I think go. the masturbate is. I think masturbate's one of the more important ones. Uh, one of the things people miss is that's one of the most lucrative, <laughs> lucrative ends of film. And I don't mean starring in it; I mean making it. But of course, absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's just uh, it, it is incredible that you can do so much. You know, with a, a you know, maybe a two thousand dollar investment nowadays. You know, in your computer, and and I mean, you you could shoot it with an iPhone today. You know, I mean, there's so many opportunities back when we were doing films like Polish Vampire or Curse of the Queer Wolf. I mean, we were, uh, we would struggle just to get an exposure. You know, we'd, uh, we'd pump lights out and then look at the film later on and realize that it was like uh, 25% darker than it should be, or we'd struggle to get the focus right. I mean, there were so many issues that you don't even have to think about today. So the only problem though, is because you've got this um, power now, that's why there are so many duff projects out there, you know. I mean, people will shoot mm-hmm. their cat for an hour and a half and put a title on it and call it a feature. I mean, it, it really, um, the market is saturated with people doing just this. And that's why if it was tough to sell a movie 30 years, you know, four years ago independently, it's probably tougher now because there's so much trying, you know, so, much, so many people trying to get their product out there. There's there's a lot of people trying to get their product out, but the flip side is there are so many places it can go now that it couldn't go before. Um, and I think people shooting their cat is great, and God bless YouTube, it's interesting, but it's not a fucking film. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. like, that's that's yeah. all I can say well, about I mean, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of like there's uh, there, there's so many things that you can uh, – find interesting i mean you know you could make a project about topless cheerleaders from mars or sap gathering in maine or you know whatever the subject is you might find a fan what's that i can sell both of those as long as you have sex and violence you can sell it (laughs) that's you've got to have sex and violence pardon paul you have a now mark you have a particular level of resourcefulness would you like to tell them about how you got some crowd scenes for rectuma you have my oh, attention. <laughs> that's, you, that's kind of a, well, I'll, I'll tell it in a very vague way, but I have a friend that, uh, that works in the uh, visual effects industry. And when we were doing Rectuma, I said, you know, I need a scene where I need a crowd of people just running in terror. Do you got any ideas? And he said, well, let me think about it. Maybe we could do it digitally. Maybe we could figure out, you know, one or two people against a green screen, whatever. And then I get a call from him one day, and he says, hey, uh, listen, you still need that crowd scene, right? Yeah. He goes, well, I happen to be working on a television show right now, and we're shooting downtown, and there's about uh, 500 extras in the scene, and they're basically going to be running, and but they're holding protest signs, but we can always crop those out. So we just need to get a, uh, if you need to get that scene, get down here. So I ran down with my camera, and sure enough, there's people that are going to be running in the street. And uh, so I would position my camera in a certain spot. And he says, look, if anybody asks, just say, you're my assistant. You're getting some uh, behind-the-scenes shots. No problem. So they would do the scene, people running, screaming, got it. Then it's like, take two. Oh, great. I can move to another angle. Get the camera there. People running, screaming, a whole bit. They're doing the exact same motion. So I kind of got continuity here. And uh, we cut it into the picture, instant production value. 
That is the most brilliant thing I have ever heard in my life. Well, I can top that too, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, when you, we, you have we were shooting, <laughs> we were shooting Rage of Innocence last uh, oh, about three years ago, and my lead actress got bitten by a stingray while we were shooting at Santa Monica. There's a scene where her character goes into the water, and uh, we shot the scene, and then she starts screaming that you know, she, and she runs out. She got bit on the ankle by a stingray, or stung on the ankle. So uh, she was in tremendous pain, and the lifeguards Please came. Please tell me that video. Sorry, that was me. They, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> they did what they could, and then uh, we decided we're going to take her to the emergency room. So she's in the emergency room. You know, they shoot her up with morphine. They uh, take out the stinger or whatever. And while she's in the room recovering, I said, you know what, sweetie, let's uh, be in character here. Let me get some shots where your character is lying in the clinic's bed or in the cot. Because there is a scene in the movie where she's supposed to visit a clinic, which we were going to worry about shooting later. But now we're in the clinic. There she is. She's dressed for the part. We shot the scene, and it's in the movie. So you'll actually find a, uh, a moment where she's recovering in a, uh, well, actually in the movie it's a flashback scene, but she's in this clinic, which we shot while she was being treated for the stingray. So it's called that's Using brilliant. Every Part of the Buffalo. <laughs> That's brilliant. Mm. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. br- Granted, I would have got her coming out of the water screaming. I would have got her screaming on the set. I would have taken <laughs> all of it and figured out what I could do with it. But well, we actually we have that footage. We do have footage of her coming out screaming, but it wouldn't work because <laughs> her character in the movie is always in control. There really was no uh, point for that. But, yeah. But it did, it did make it on the DVD as an extra, so you know, oh, see some good. of that fun see, stuff. You, you still did stuff with it. That See, that that to me is excellent. I think that's brilliant. But I've, I've <laughs> also been producing on and off for many, many years, so I'm basically the most cheap human being <laughs> that you will mm. ever meet. Well, yeah. you. So those that don't know, um, producers are not really great with money. In, in We don't like mm. to give any. So uh, that to me, that is just bloody brilliant. And the, f- the way you got around that, if people want to find you, where can they find you? You're on social media. We have about five minutes left of the show and I want to ask you a whole bunch of questions and we didn't even get to questions from social media, but where can oh. people find you? Well, uh, they can find me on my website, puromount.com, P-I-R-R-O-M-O-U-N-T.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well under Piero Mount and I, I have my own personal Facebook page, you know, Mark Piero. I'm pretty easy to find, you know, I, you can find me in schoolyards in the middle of the week sometimes. Okay. Uh, uh, oh yeah, that's it. You may have yeah, to get that predator. Anymore, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I'm just, you know. The laws prohibit. I love that you call it Piro Mount. You're probably going to get me in trouble, but I freaking love that. <laughs> you won't get in any trouble. You know, for years people used to say, "Are you afraid? Are Paramount going to do anything?" Oh, look, first of all, I've been using this for the last I don't know 40 years, but I was on two Paramount shows. I was on Hard Copy and I was on Entertainment Tonight. Those are both Paramount shows. Yep. So. If anybody's going to complain now, that would be my defense. Hey, how come you weren't complaining uh, 20 years ago when I was on your shows? Well, your, you know your I mean? defense could also be, fuck off, I can do whatever I want, but that yours does work too. Well, something tells me that they're not going to worry about me unless I start making $50 million a movie. 
then I might you'd, hear something. You'd, you'd actually be surprised. I'm, I've, I haven't done it for Paramount, but I have been sent after um, in, in professional capacity after um, smaller production companies and smaller projects by companies mm-hmm. that were trying to um, go with either a camp series or something that directly competed. Even if they think it's a teeny market, they will try mm-hmm. and push you out. So just mm-hmm. just for anyone out there that if if I come knocking on your door, run. But um, <laughs> like just, just remember, they the Hollywood has the old saying that you can't draw blood from a stone. Hollywood knows you can. As long as you throw hard. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. You might you will get something. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's really unbelievable. <laughs> I hate when I admit that I'm one of the bad guys, but I like you. I love I love your projects. By the way. I'm well, so impressed. <laughs> I, I would love that, actually. Um, I would like that very, very much. The mm-hmm. We have about three minutes left. So people can find Uh-oh. you online. They can find you on Facebook. Um, they can go to your website. We've done all of the generic questions. Who was the yep. worst person you ever worked with? Who was the best person you ever worked with? Oh, I don't. I can't name names like that. That'd be terrible. Okay. I mean, I can tell you then people. tell me a terrible story without telling me the name and a wonderful story. You can tell the name. Well, if I can get it in three minutes, I I, uh, I had my lead actor quit on me once in a movie. Um, after about two or three months of shooting, he just said, I don't think I want to do this anymore. So I had to rewrite the story. Uh, it was Polish Vampire Burbank, and you could probably do the math to figure out why. But I, I ended up uh, starring in the movie because I knew I wasn't going to quit, and I couldn't deal with another actor coming in. And you know, So that was probably one of the biggest challenges. Uh, the best experience, you know, that's uh, that's a tough one because uh, my last three films, I really had no major problems with anybody. Uh, and the ones that were moderately a problem, we kind of got rid of them quick enough. So I've got, uh, in, in all the years I've been working on these films, I've sort of put together a team of people. I use a lot of the same actors over and over again. John McCafferty is a good example. He's an actor that's been in practically every movie I've ever made. Uh, Glenn Campbell is a gentleman uh, that does a lot of my visual effects, and he is, uh, I've known him since we were tour guides at Universal 40 years ago, and he's been involved That's in the guy you introduced every us. movie. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but I mean, as far as, uh, you know, so I, I have a, a great team of people that it's like Mission Impossible, you know, whenever I'm ready to do another film, I'll go through the file and pick up the pictures, use this one, use this one. And uh, so it's, it really, there's no specific, I can say that's the best person I've ever worked with, um, you know, because... But you have an amazing team. Something. I'm sorry, what? I said, so you have an amazing team. That's rare. Um, it is, but don't forget, it's been like over 35, 40 years in the making, you know. So throughout that period of time, we've weeded out the troublemakers and we brought in the new one. Like there's a gal who's in my current film, her name is Lauren Baldwin, she was in my last three films. I hired her to play the Virgin Mary in the God Complex, and then uh, she was in Rage of Innocence, and now she's the lead in this film. And she's brilliant. I mean, she's a British gal. She sounds like, it sounds like you're British, so you might relate. But um, she's probably another one of the most professional actresses I've ever worked with. I mean, she always knows her lines. She's always available to do what needed to be done. And people like that make this filmmaking process a pleasure because you don't have a budget and you don't have any of the perks and sometimes we don't even have lunch you know what I mean it's like yeah. it really is bare bones 
I like that. And I'm glad you have that. We're actually at the end of the show. I want to thank you for coming on the show. And I hope we can get you on the show again so we can actually ask some of the questions that got written in on Twitter and Facebook that I didn't respond to. Um, Thank you so, so, so much, Mark. I'd love to have you on again. And thank you to everyone for listening in. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with Paul Michael Bolin. And, of course, Mark Pirro talking about all things Hollywood. Join us next week. Good night. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.